following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Come on, give it up for him. Give it up for him. Not me, it's him. Give it up for him. Yes, sir. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> hey, you know why we put these different color seats in these pews is to make it look like on TV that there's people sitting there. <laughs> that's the truth. That's a, that's a fact. But, you know, y'all about covered up all of them in this second session. This is, this is a COVID crowd here, folks. Isn't that awesome? Give yourself a hand. You showed up today. It's a, hey, let me, let me ask you something, just real plain, real simple. Are you disappointed even though it's rough? Are you disappointed or do you like what you see? Huh? Do you like it? You know, I used to, I used to come to this over here about five times every day. And uh, I started a trend in our office of people just coming over and, you know, just seeing what they did the last hour. We had to check on the last hour and a half, see what was added. And, uh, and I used to stand on this stage and speak just with a normal voice. Now, behind that uh, pipe and drape on this side is another nine rows we're going to put uh, theater chairs in. Behind this side is another six rows we're going to put chairs in. So it's, it's, it's going to be bigger. It's going to be all the way across the back also. So I used to stand here with no mic and just talk. Just talk in a normal voice, what I'm doing right now, although I'm amplified now. And I just talked to somebody way up yonder, and I said, can you hear me? And they said, yes. And I got so excited because the sound in this place is going to be alive. It's going to be alive. So if you say amen, I'm going to be able to hear it. If you clap your hands every now and then, I'm going to be able to witness it. I am so excited today to be the pastor of Christian Life Austin in Austin, Texas. Wow. Y'all are incredible people. Did you enjoy the music today? Yes. I, thought, I thought the music was mixed so well today. I want to compliment the music. I, you know, they had, they had one day to get it together, and they're going to trim it and make it even better, but it's, it was so good today. I, I wrote somebody today, and I said, hey, we may not have everything together, but we do have lights, and we have sound, and we have music, and we've got a big old screen. And that'll cover up a lot of our deficiencies today, that big old screen. Anytime I get to sluggish in my preaching, I'm just going to point to the screen, all right? <laughs> Would you stand just for a second? I'm going to read a brief passage of Scripture. I've got dear friends in the house today. Folks, I love this stage. This is the stage that they have in weightlifting rooms and colleges. University of Texas has this stage, this rubber, three-eighths inch, and, and it doesn't, you know, you can jump on it, it doesn't make a sound hardly. And it doesn't mash, it doesn't, it doesn't indent, but it does, it does have a little dust on it. So we're going to have to learn to wipe our feet. Somebody didn't wipe their feet right here. <laughs> Randy, it's the praise team. And, uh, and, and so I love it, but here's what, here's what I don't like. If you don't pick up your feet, which I'm sometimes guilty of not doing around the house, just kind of shuffling along, you'll fall because... <laughs> This don't give you any, la any lateral movement, any, any, nothing, nothing lacks here. You got you to step, so I'm going to be stepping good here today, all right? <laughs> I love all of you, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, and uh, 
If I don't get to see you after church, wish you a Merry Christmas. We're having our Christmas program here on, on Thursday at 5 o'clock. We'll be doing candlelight. It's going to be a fabulous time. I'm going to speak today on this subject. I'm going to call it the builded house. Everybody say the builded house. The builded house. First Chronicles, David said, Solomon, my son, is young. He's tender. And the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent of fame, of glory throughout all the countries. And I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before he died. Then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. Ephesians 3 and 20 said, Now unto him that is able to do all that we ask according to the power that works in us. But there's words left out. It says, Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We're standing in one of those moments with God today. He's able to do more than we're able to ask or think. I have two precious friends in this church, Chris and Kristen. I married them seven years ago. And uh, 2013, I was on the parking lot with him, and he's told this story, so I'm going to tell it. I got tickled when I was doing it, but I just got to, just got to kind of broadcast in what I thought God might do around here. And I laid out what we're standing in today seven years ago. And he, he told me today, he said, well, seven-year dreams come true, Pastor. And I love the fact that God does keep his promise. And he lets us build a house for him. Everybody say the builded house. You may be seated. I won't be lengthy. David was a reigning king of Israel. And he had experienced a storybook life. The kind of life that many folks can only dream of. A life filled with great achievements and acts of extreme heroism. He came from humble beginnings. He served as a, his father as a shepherd boy on the back pasture. It was a dangerous place to serve. He met lions and he met bears there. But he served in obscurity. Didn't bother him. Yet Samuel the prophet, when he came to anoint a king in Jesse's house, ran the sons by twice that were in the house, seven of them, and said, this is not them, is there another one? And they brought in David from the pasture. And David was anointed king in his father's house. But then he served on a grand stage. He killed a giant, the chapter later in the valley of Elah, because David had no fear. He had no fear, but he had great faith. And instead of fearing, he put his faith in God. You need to know today that when you put all your faith in God, there is no challenge that you cannot overcome. You can't overcome. God may not always provide you with tools that somebody else thinks you should have, but he will provide you with the tools that are best for you. Can I get a witness? And when God provides your tools for you, they will be capable of accomplishing any task that God has before you. Under David, under his leadership for 40 years, wealth and power of Israel began to grow. He defeated the Philistines a second time. He defeated King Hadarezer of Zobah in Syria. He defeated the children of Ammon. And everyone who came against Israel were sure to meet the defeat and destruction that Israel could send to them. Now, I'm not speaking of a perfect man here today. He had blemishes on his record. He did not win every round of the fight of life, but he won the fight of life. God is a forgiving God. Aren't you glad about that today? 
David knew who had brought him through all the trials of his life, and he knew who had been there with him in the heat of battle in his life, and he knew who had never turned his back on him when he needed a true friend. So he repented of his sins, and God gave him forgiveness. And God forgave him. And God forgave him. And God forgave him. This church believes that God can forgive people of any sin. Amen. However, because of the blood that was on his hands due to many battles and fights, David was not going to be allowed to build the temple, but he was able to assist in the process. Here's the point. War cannot build. War destroys. And David was a man of war. Peace builds houses of God. Can I declare to this congregation today, can I give you some kudos today? I have never heard a disparaging word while we were building this beautiful structure today. I've never heard a disparaging word about having to meet in a chapel and an overflow in the lobby. You just came and you did what you're supposed to do. And you said, Pastor, when you'd walk up to me, we're going to get this thing accomplished. We're going to make it happen. And today, we stand in the middle of spoken words that we have spoken to one another because this church is a positive force. And it's a place that believes that God can do anything. Amen. God desires unity, togetherness. He commanded a blessing in Psalms 133 upon the spirit of unity. And he loves loyalty to the house of God. Thanks, church. Thanks, church. Thank you for not allowing your tongue or actions to become weapons of negativity during this time. And as Forrest Gumps would say, that's all I have to say about that. I'm moving on. <laughs> David's son Solomon would ultimately have the responsibility of building the temple. You that are sitting right behind that sound booth, I know you're there, but there's a light shining on me that is absolutely taking you out. Would y'all kind of wave at me, just move? Yeah, yeah, there's real people. That's not just seats. Thank you so much. <laughs> but it didn't stop David from being able to prepare for the building of God's house. Our text today tells of a season in aging King David, a man who understood how magnificent the house of the Lord had to be. He knew and understood how famous this particular house of the Lord should become. And he knew that this place would require great preparation and great planning. So the Bible tells us that David made preparation for the building of the temple. Listen to this, 2 Chronicles. David got all the masons together to prepare stones for the building. He prepared iron for nails and for the doors of the gates and the joints. He set aside so much brass and cedar trees that the Bible says that it was beyond calculation. David made enough. And he knew what it took to get prepared for the building of the house of God. In verse 14, the Bible said, Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord. 100,000 talents of gold, which is 5,690,000,000 in today's currency. And 1 million talents of silver, which is 1,660,000,000. And bronze and iron beyond measure, for it is so abundant. And I prepared timber and stone also, and you may add to them. Now, I want to stop and say this right now. Listen to me right now. The Bible said when that temple was built, there was not a sound of a hammer. 
nor the sound of a saw. Because David prepared so greatly for that house, all the people had to do was just put them together and they fit succinctly. God's got a plan for every house that he builds. And he had a plan for this house. And I want to thank God that we went through this time and we didn't have a lot of hiccups and heartaches, but we had blessings and honor and glory and power and dominion. And we're here today giving thanks to God because the house is builded now. One more thing before I start preaching. In chapter 21 of Chronicles, David sinned by numbering the men of Israel. It was a slap to God. When you think you have the power to do it on your own, and you don't need God to help you, God's going to slap you around a little bit. God sent a plague and gave David three options. He asked David what he desired. He said, do you want three years of famine on the country, or do you want three months be ravaged by the enemy, or do you want three days of the sword of the Lord on your life? And David said, I don't want three years. I don't want three months. I will put myself into your hands and trust your judgment. And God sent a death angel and 70,000 men were slain. And God ordered the angel to stop and stand at the door of Aruna, the Jebusite's threshing floor. Listen to this now. And David sacrificed there and the plague was stopped. Stopped. That place is called Mount Moriah. And Mount Moriah was where Isaac was taken to be offered as a sacrifice by Abraham to God. And it's also the place where the temple that Solomon would build would be built. David made sacrifice there. Can I stop and ask you to do something for me right now? I want you in just a moment to clap your hands because of the sacrifice that has been made for this congregation to have this kind of facility. There were sacrifices here before we got in this building today. People gave of their time and their talent, and yes, they gave of their treasure. Widows came to me and offered me huge checks. The church, widowers came, people that didn't have the means. Some came to my office just recently and said, Pastor, I want to give this extravagant offering to the church. Something happened here so we could have this. It wasn't built on pipe and dreams. It wasn't built on smoke and mirrors. It was built on a solid foundation of people's sacrifice and people's giving. Oh, I feel like talking to you right now. Come on now. There's people in this house that wrote six-figure checks. There's people in this house that wrote seven-figure checks. There's people in this house that wrote five-figure checks. God has blessed this church, not because of me, but because of people that sacrifice. I get excited about that. Woo. Lord, I got to calm down. I'm about to lose it here. I got to get a little blood pressure problem. If you're going to build something, you got to have a foundation of sacrifice. And there's a foundation of sacrifice here today. And I am honored. That's probably about me. That's probably thinking I've lost my mind. <laughs> I'm the result of the sacrifice that's been given to this congregation.
to this church. I am very proud of you. David said there was three things have to happen in that house. Number one, it's got to be alive and living. It's got to be alive and living. See, when David took the throne, he immediately desired the glory of God to come back to Israel. When Saul was king for 40 years, the first king of Israel, he never required, never asked for the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of the presence of God. And Saul never asked for it. In fact, he parked it down at Abinamon's house, who was a high priest, and he had two sons named Uzzah and Ohio. And they watched over it for 20 years, and that ark just became an old piece of furniture, just, just common. And so when David, when he got to the throne, and he decided to bring the glory back to Israel. He said, bring it. And so he got a brand new ox cart, because so he, he saw how the Philistines had moved. He said, we can move it like the Philistines. And he moved that ox cart toward the city with that Ark of the Covenant resting on it. And it hit, a, it hit a depression in the road. And that ox cart started tilting and it looked like the Ark was going to fall. And Uzzah, one of the sons of the high priest that had been around the Ark for 20 years and it had become common to him, reached out to steady it and he touched it and God, God, God struck him dead. Here's the point. God's presence will be honored. God's presence will be honored in this house. It's never going to be an old piece of furniture. We may be in a new house, but he's still the same God. Amen. And his presence, come on, his presence will be honored in this house. We're going to sing like never before. We're going to worship like never before. We're going to praise like never before. We're going to pray like never before. We're going to believe like never before. God has provided us something here that we can take to our city. Ah. This place will be alive. Peter, when all the men asked, when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. We miss that word sometimes, living. He's a living God. Our God's not a statue. Our God's not something you go visit in a museum. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's an alive God. And this church will be an alive church. Come on now. This church will be an alive church. This church will be an alive church. Oh, yes. <laughs> It will be alive. It will be alive. It will be alive. So 90 days later, David had taken the ark when it had the problem with Uzzah. And he put it in Obed-Edom's house, who was a Gittite. He wasn't even of the family of Israelite. He was a Gittite. He was a, but David said, would you take this thing? And for 90 days, Obed-Edom's house was blessed. I, I think he raised rabbits, and they had about 2,000 born in those 90 days. No, I'm teasing but he was blessed beyond measure because the ark of the Lord is where the blessings came from, the presence of God. Not from a man, not from just an audience, but the presence of God brought the blessing of God. And 90 days later, David went back and he took with him priests now and they put that 750 pound ark of the covenant on their shoulders and they led it into the city on the shoulders of men. And that's where the glory needs to reside is on the shoulders of men and women in this house in 2021. Look at your neighbor and say 2021 is going to be a fabulous year. It's going to be a fabulous year. It really, really is. It's going to be a fabulous year. Come on, say it. The pandemic's going to get out of here. We're going to have to think, we're going to have to start thinking about parking garages and buses to haul people in here. You get ready. When you sacrifice to build and the church is alive, get ready. God's coming. God's coming. 
and they put it on that, that, uh, that ark on Mount Zion and everybody came and looked and worshipped. And David's tabernacle of praise is mentioned in Acts 15. It's going to be resurrected. It's going to be restored in the last day. The tabernacle of David where the presence and the power of God resides is going to be restored in the last day. Dead churches are not going to be restored, but live churches are going to be where the glory is at. I believe that with all my heart. This new worship place must have the ark. God's presence must abide in this house. The church is more than just physical beauty. It has to have a spiritual beauty. God must abide in his house. Say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We want you in our house. The second thing a house has to have is mercy and grace. Everybody say mercy and grace. David said in 1 Chronicles, David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and of the houses and of the treasury and of the upper chambers and of the inner parlors and of the place of the mercy seat. The place of the mercy seat. Everybody say there had to be a place of the mercy seat. David said, designate a place for mercy in the house. I want to tell you about some dimensions. When Israel came out of Egypt and God gave Moses the plan for church, they built a tabernacle in the wilderness. And on that tabernacle was a long and narrow building. It was 30 by 15 called the outer court and 15 by 15 called the inner court. And in that inner court, that 15 by 15 room was the Ark of the Covenant. And when the priest would come to offer sacrifice once a year to roll the sins of Israel ahead, he would give that sacrifice out here at the brazen altar, take the blood and go through the veil and go back to the Holy of Holies and pour that blood on the mercy seat. And God would answer that blood offering by fire and Israel would hear the priest say, your sins have been rolled away. Your sins have been rolled and next year we'll roll them again. And they were rolled and rolled and rolled until Jesus came and he blotted out our iniquities. There's no more rolling ahead now. He just took it to the cross and said there's no more need for that. But what I'm trying to say is simply this, that we have to designate a place for mercy. And so uh, David told his son, son, I want you to have a house of mercy. I want you to put a room in the house for mercy to reside. And the tabernacle was 15 by 15. But watch this. When Solomon built a house, he made the dimensions 20 cubits wide. Five more cubits. And he made it 30 cubits tall. 15 more cubits. He wanted a higher reach for the mercy. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. The larger you build the house, the larger you build the house, the more room for mercy you need to make in the house. Come on. We've come out of another building. We've come out of a chapel and a foyer. We're in a bigger house now. And by the time you get here next Sunday, we'll have more seats for you to sit in. But here's what I want to tell you. There's mercy in this house. I want all of Austin to hear me today. There's mercy at the house of 4700 Westgate Boulevard. I want everybody in Texas to know there's mercy. If you come to Austin and at Christian Life Austin, there's mercy in this house. And God's going to touch you with his mercy in this house. Mercy must be in this house. Grace must be the bedrock of our life. I find it amazing that many times when mercy is mentioned in the Bible, it's in the middle of all that's mentioned. You've got to get this. This is precious. 
The Bible says, what does God require? Micah 6 and 8 says that you do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Mercy's in the middle of hum- humility and justly. The fulcrum is mercy. Matthew chapter 5 and 6, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, there's nine beatitudes in all. Number five, the middle one is blessed are the merciful, for they shall inherit mercy. When Jesus was on the cross, there was a thief on one side and a thief on the other side, but guess who was in the middle? Mercy. Mercy. I promise you, I'll make a vow to you that we'll never preach hard, demanding things. We'll always preach with grace and mercy in this house. We'll always preach with grace. That's what brought us here, and grace and mercy is going to take us home. Come on, clap your hands and say amen to that. The house has to have mercy. Mercy. A new worship place is wonderful. I love the thought of that daily. Somebody asked me, said, did you sleep good last night? Pastor, did you stay awake all night? I said, I slept like a baby. The alarm had to wake me up today. I guess I was so tired from worrying about it anyhow. So why worry about it that night? Because God will stay up and worried for me. We're going to be beautiful and splendid, but we must be bathed. Everybody say in mercy. And my third and final point is simply this, that this house must be exceeding magnifical. Exceeding magnificent. When I turned around this morning for the first time and I saw, I said, oh my God, there I am right there. And there's my sweetheart, and there's Brad and Cass, and there's Randy. Lord Jesus, this screen does everything. And there's y'all worshiping over there. Jesus, help us, Lord. I think I want three of these. (laughs) I'm out of my mind. I'm out of my mind. The word exceeding is found 57 times in the Bible. The word magnificent is found one time in the Bible. Magnificence, the state of being magnificent, splendor, grandeur, sumptuousness, luxury. In fact, magnificent is greater than magnificent because it means to continue to grow in magnificence. As in more than just a conqueror, you're more than that, or triumph over winning. Our tremendous success over one closure on a deal. Living in a growing state of magnificence. May I preach a little here and I'm closing. May I preach a little here. This new sanctuary is not just for the purpose of building to show progress to our neighbors, but it's for God's glory to have a bigger house, a greater reach, a larger focus, a place of more of God's everything. We need people to come from miles around and experience a living church that has mercy in it, that exceeds magnificent. We're gonna give you the very best that God has through us because this place is a saving station. It's a healing station. Somebody prophesied years ago, this would be a healing station and a lighthouse of Austin. And guess what? The light is on. The light is on. We're going somewhere, folks. Get excited about that. The queen of Sheba came from the south to ask Solomon some questions and saw the house that he had built. 
This was 13 years after the church dedication, the Solomon's dedication. We're going to do that in a few months when we get it all fixed. But I want to thank the staff for working so diligently to get this ready for today. The air conditioners are not working real good, though. <laughs> I don't normally sweat like this in the pulpit, but I'm, I'm perspiring. And Anybody got a fan from the funeral home to give me? She comes from the south to witness Solomon's wisdom and riches and magnificence. Yet, yet when she got there, she saw something. She saw his wisdom. She saw the house he had built. She saw the meat of his table. She saw the sitting of his servants. She saw the attendance of his ministers in their apparel and, and his ascent by which they went to the house of the Lord to worship. It wasn't the house that caused her to faint. It was what happened in the house that caused her to faint. There was no more spirit in her. She passed out because the presence of God was so awesome and so mighty. And the mercy shown to her was so fabulous. And the magnificence of the place was so overwhelming. She couldn't stand it. And she fainted. And they had to bring her to. And history bears out. Archaeologists have found down where she was from, they have unearthed something very close to Solomon's temple. She went home and built one herself. Because she wanted to replicate what she felt in the house of God. It's not about how pretty we built it today, folks. No, no, no. It's about the God of the house. The builded house. The builded house. My wife's coming on the stage right now. She's going to help me here. She's going to help me. Would you give her a little hand clap of plays? There, she's a she's my sweetheart. Hey, when I when I was coming here in, to get walk on this stage, I. I said, I'm going to bring a sack lunch the first day I come in here because I'm going to have to stop and eat right here to get enough strength to get to that platform, that pulpit. But we made it. This is my sweetheart. She's been my healer. She's a wonderful lady. And her dad was one of my all-time heroes, and her mother was my shero. They're just fabulous people, and I got, I got the best from both of them. And so... Her dad, when they built a church several years ago in, in Humble, Texas, her dad wrote something about the church, and I thought it would be very apropos if my wife read it today to you folks in this letter here, that you hear her dad's words through his daughter. Read it, baby. To your aged, I give courage and security. 
Yes. Yes. My pulpit brings out the message goodwill to men, a peace and pardon, and a savior's love to all. I teach you the way of life and guide you on the road to heaven. I am your church. Come and worship. Support me, and I will serve you all your days. Let's give the church a great hand. So, here's how we're closing. We called it a builded house. Put it up here, Blake. Put my little, I got a red ribbon here. We're wrapping it all up in a bow. Jesus, Christian Life Austin, wants you to know that this is our gift to you. This is your church. This is your church. Come on, this is his church. He said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is his church. This is his church. Our Christmas present to him. That's why I wanted it done today. We want to present him, his church. It's not perfect. It's got some areas that needs repair already. And it's got some people that are under construction. But this is your church. I've asked the praise singers to wrap this service up today with my favorite song. And they're going to sing it for all of us today. And it's going to fit you too. Patty and I are going to go over here and stand and just listen like you. Keep standing as they close us out today.
Would you bow your heads? Father, I love you. And I thank you for December 20, 2020. I thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the sacrifice of these people for the love of the house of God that these people possess like no other church I've ever been in in my life. They love your house. They love your name. They love your cause. They love your purpose. Thank you for right now. And Lord, we're going to honor you with all that we have, all the days of our life. As many days as you're going to give us, we're going to honor you every one of those days. And this house will be a lighthouse of Austin, of Texas, and the South, and all of America eventually, in Jesus' name. Thank you for Christian Life Austin. Thank you for the diligence that it took to build it. Thank you for a wonderful general contractor. Thank you for all the helpers that came in and assisted in every area. We'll honor all of that at the dedication, but God, we thank you. We build it a house for you. Merry Christmas, God. We give this to you. It's yours. Bless us now and bring us back the next appointed time. We'll honor you with our lives and with our legacy and with our love. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen.